0: okay well this this podcast was gonna be uh actually no welcome back to the underwater sweatshop this is episode two with Emmanuel here no guests no guests so far I, I am working on getting guests but I'm in a good mood got me a little high noon um I had an organized block. You see, like the first episode, I didn't really use like an outline or anything. And I was just kind of just free, just free talking. But, uh, this time I had an outline, but, uh, I recorded really late cause I had to renew my passport and that took a hell of a lot longer than I thought it was going to, because apparently you need a money order. There were just so many extra steps that I just did not realize there was going to be. So it ended up taking a lot longer than I thought, but the sake of the podcast, it turned out to be great. Because while I was gone and wasn't checking my phone, some of the best news came out humanly possible for me. See, it's only episode two, so you guys don't know this. But um I am a big, big Katie and Kyrie f- hater. I I hate these two individuals about as much as you can hate. Uh, stars uh for something that isn't actually illegal or actually bad like if you're just talking about like from a sports fan perspective I just have a general dislike for these guys because um for let's say Katie because Katie's a lesser of the two so it can be easily explained um I really just like Katie's move from OKC to Golden State it fundamentally bothered me you see when he made this move i was actually um uh because i'm in the national guard and i really don't i don't think i actually clarified that in the first episode because i didn't actually talk about myself We'll we'll do that in uh future episodes but uh when i was actually in basic training it was the time all you know six seven years back it was the time when okc gave up a 3-1 lead odin state and it's a there's a hilarious story about this because I was tracking that series through basic training because, like, you know, we had made deals with the uh, drill sergeants and I wanted to keep up with every game because I thought like, oh, no, this is the series because I watched. I wanted to know because of last year I was like, no, this is this is going to be a juggernaut. I've been watching basketball leading up to basic training. I knew this was going to be a crazy series and I got to hear the updates from this series and I only got to hear it. I never got to see it, but I got to hear about the collapse and the shock. That Katie couldn't show up for just one game. So then, when he goes to Golden State, a team that was a seventy two <laughs> win team, and then tried to pretend like it wasn't the most the most punk move a superstar has ever done. I was just like, nah, you 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 forever punk to me. And also, I hated the, I hated you know he really he really you know leveraged into being the best player in the world because he was on Golden State. One of the greatest teams ever assembled in over LeBron James. And I I, I feel like when I like people see me on the Internet, I think I'm like such a big LeBron fan. I actually did not like LeBron much of his early career. I didn't like him until he lost to Golden State that first time when he when he just went back to Cleveland. Because I like how he played in a situation because all the LeBron haters are saying like, oh, no, he's soft. You know, if he's down, he's just going to give up. But I saw him in a series where like uh, that first time he played Kevin Love and Kyrie, uh were injured and honestly i was thinking even in my own head i was like bro you just not coming in with your runners this ain't a real series you don't really have to try no one's gonna really judge you and he took that you know he made that a four two series and i he indefinitely earned my respect because i was like no this man's a dog like he didn't give up and so I'm not really it's like super super big lebron fan but he earned my respect i was like okay I saw a man, look. Like if people think he's the best player in the world, I think he's pretty damn good. I wasn't ready to give him best player in the world because I have not seen him. You know, there's just stuff I did not see. But when I saw that, I was like, okay, this guy's a dog. And I was like, okay, I'm a LeBron fan at that moment. So when I see KD, you know, having an opportunity to be, do something similar and then not only fail, because I'm fine if you fail, you just go but get back and try again. You know, you don't have to win a championship, but I just need to see you have that, like, dog in you. And I just didn't see that from him. And then to go to the team that you lost to after collapsing, like I was just like, whoo, wow, that's <laughs> that's crazy. And so, like, and then there's this air of just there's just an air of arrogance around KD that's just so uniquely to him, and like he tries to pretend he's above it all, like, and he's just really isn't, and it's fine, like you can let stuff get to you. You're a human being. I'm but like when you act like you're above it all. And you're really not. And then you're making ghost accounts and then you're calling shots and then you're disrespecting. Like, I love Seth Curry. Like, I'm not a I, I love Seth Curry. He taught everyone how to shoot threes in the NBA. And um, I really do like him. And the fact that he goes over there, but then he's subbing, he's subbing a teammate. And then it's just like the way he left Golden State. And then he left it for Kyrie, which I will get into that bump Kyrie. Oh, <laughs> this is when we'll we talk about hatred. Like I, I, you know, I realize I only I Now that I'm thinking about it. I only kind of dislike Katie. I hate Kyrie Irving, um, and there's a whole there's a whole thing about that. Um, there's a whole process when that, that when that started, but um, you know, he's summoned his teammates instead of just being appreciative. Like I came to your team, I came to your block. You helped me win championships. He was the best player when they were playing, but you can't deny that when you're playing with Kyrie <laughs> and Clay Thompson um, things are just easier, (laughs) you know what I mean, life is just easier, and so let's not pretend that isn't the case, and so, when, uh, he's doing all that, to see that ultimately, you know, Katie's to leave the Nets and never want anything with Kyrie, I'm like, that's what you get, bro, you should have been grateful, You, you don't have to stay on the team, I actually disagree, you don't have to stay on the team, but you better be grateful. As though that wasn't your team, and I c- kind of understand why you, like you know, it was Steph's team, and it is Steph's team, you know? You were the best player, without a doubt. And, you know, you could just be grateful and you could bow out and be like, hey, man, I just want my own thing. I respect your thing. I respect what you guys did. Thank you for giving me two rings. Thank you for validating because he, you know, he's a champion, you know? And that will never be taken from him. But, you know, he wanted to be that guy and I respect that. Like if that's where you want to see your career trajectory go, you want to be that guy cool. But when you're talking junk on the way out, you a bum to me. You'll bum to me cuz he he humbly he y'all, he humbly accepted you in the team, you know. He took a back seat to you, deservedly so cuz you're the better player. But like, you know, he took a back seat, never complained and, you know, you're going to talk junk on the way out crazy. You know, crazy. But it's still only a slight dislike. Because KD does show up for every team. Like, he showed up for OKC. He does. He was the best player on uh, OKC. You know. He was the best player. Like, he does show up and perform. And though he can be a locker room cancer, he's, his entire tenure at any place is not of being a cancer onto the team. The At least the entire time. You know what I mean? Like, he went out of OKC pretty quiet. And, you know. Golden State, though, that last year was pretty loud. Like, he was not being that all. The, he wasn't being that all the time. So, I must acknowledge that he was reasonable. Now, let's get to Kyrie Irving. This bum Kyrie Irving. I'm not even sure if I could really talk about this man the way I want to. Because I'm i black. So, I can say the N word. <laughs> But I'm gonna resist it, cause I don't even know what I can get away with saying when it comes to this bum Kyrie Irving. Let it be understood, I have a hatred. Like if you if you guys have me on, if you guys had me on Snapchat, Instagram, or Facebook, cause you can post Instagram uh, stories on Facebook. Uh, I have only recently become aware of this, so i feel like though i'm still so young but i feel so old because other people were saying oh no you could have done that the whole time but you know i'm not a big social media head so that's the reason why but when it comes to this bum kyrie irving let me tell you i used to be a big kyrie irving fan i actually love how he plays the game of basketball like i'm not a big basketball person i i, I primarily levered, leveraged leverage in the football but like i appreciate and enjoy the sport of basketball it's just that you know i'm like five nine bro like when it's not going to be, I know, but like when you're, I just, you know, like when I was, you know, when I was like leveraging into football, like I always had like dreams of going to the NFL. And so I just picked a sport that was more probable for me to be there. I know there was five, nine players in the NBA, but like the rarity of it is, even, it was already hard to get in the NBA. So it's like kind of, I can't imagine any more five, nine people being there, you know? And so. I just didn't think it was realistic, and so if I'm going to put my effort into something, I'm going to put it into something I actually like, and I was like, it was football, basketball, I just switched into football, but I always had appreciation for basketball. I really tried to learn the game so I can be a more informed viewer. And so when I saw, and I always loved the point guard position, um, and long before, I was like really, really loved, because now everyone's like obsessed with point guards, but, um, you know, when you are, uh, I really loved it, and and so like I loved how Kyrie Irving played. It was so reminiscent of AI. I liked AI, you know. I loved that ball handling skill, you know what I mean? The ability to have the core vision, but then he had an incredible ability to score AI. And, you know, of course the Kyrie too. And so like I remember because I loved I loved Kyrie before LeBron had even gotten there. This is back when I hated LeBron when he was in Miami. And like um I was there and so like, I, I would I would watch it, and I'm like, oh, these guys are great players, you know. He's a great player. And so when LeBron was like, I'm going back to Cleveland, I was like, boom. Kyrie, LeBron, Kevin Love. I really did not know much about Kevin Love, but I was a Kyrie LeBron, a Kyrie dog, you know. Had, felt like he had that Kobe Assassin mentality, how mistaken I was. Um, it was just like... This is perfect. And, you know, and then the time of LeBron being there with Kyrie, I really believed until that last year. I really believed this was a perfect match. You know, this is the exact type of player LeBron needed. This is what we thought Wade was going to be the entire time he was in Miami. When realistically, Wade was that for like two years and then just fell off, you know, maybe, you know, really like one year. But like, you know, he he managed. But like, you know, this is the true like ball in the score LeBron needs because, you know, LeBron is really. He he's an efficient scorer, and you know, he's an all-time scorer, but like LeBron, LeBron is a great floor general. And so, like, I would just be like, no, give it to that gunner. Have that boy not worry about defense. Just go dribble. And that's what I knew Kyrie Irving could do. And he was perfect. Until that final year. Going back against Golden State. Um, I'm back and was going to say, got KD, and like um they lost, and you could just tell that Kyrie wasn't into it, and you know, it was like the sunning feeling, and like I'm not I know like every man wants to be his own man. Um misogyny and things like that. Like it's his dudes are obsessed with like you no know, making sure they're the alpha <laughs> even though it doesn't really make much sense because the other dude is just really better than basketball than you, but like yeah, I, I understood it, and then he just left, and I was like, though, it annoyed me, because I was like, damn, LeBron could be, you got, you got, like, y'all had a chance if y'all had stayed, but like, hey, nothing you could do, you No, know, LeBron goes back, he goes to Boston, I was like, alright, Boston, with uh, Kyrie Irving, like, that's gonna be a contender, you know, and, you know, I, I just waited out and see if they, they could do what, you know, they, they're gonna do, you know, and, It just never really panned out. And so. I was just like, uh, it it didn't pan out. And like you hear about all the stuff that uh, happened over in Boston, you know, Kyrie being moody and there was things going on. I didn't really like it. I was just like, oh, man, like at least be vocal. Like if you're sad, be vocal. But like everyone's mental health is a little bit different. And like everyone handles their mental issues differently and I wanted to hear it out but I just didn't like how he was behaving as a teammate but that's not where the hatred of Kyrie Irving really begins cuz mind you he goes to Boston I you know I'm cheering on LeBron but I'm I was a real I was a Boston fan you know my, my roots I'm a Boston fan for years and um and so like I really wanted Kyrie Irving in Boston to work And so you got the year right before. I think he's either right before he bounced. Or, like, did he even play that season? I I forget. But he he comes out and, like, he's in front of the crowd and everyone remembers this. And he's just like, you know, I I want to re up. I would like to stay if you'd have me. I was like, oh, this is great. And then he just leaves to Brooklyn. And that just left a sour tooth in my mouth. It gives just a sour taste. I said tooth, taste. I don't know why I said tooth, but, you know, I was just like, and I think it was within, like, no more than, like, a a week, a couple weeks or a month or something, and he just dips to go to Brooklyn with KD, and maybe this is just free fire, but I was just like, what? Like, you just got done saying, oh, like, uh, I'm going to stay if you guys have me. And now you're going to Brooklyn, trash talking LeBron before the season, you know, saying like we don't really need a like, and, and then there's all the stuff in Brooklyn that went down from from saying like oh I have somebody I I know who could take the last shot when LeBron has taken more game winners, it has more points in the in the crunch time than you, and it, it's just like it's just. It was, it, it, you know, and it's the not showing up to play and then the co opting the reason why you're not playing related to the being on protest when all reality, there's pictures of you at clubs. And realistically, this boy was just chilling and he didn't want to admit it. And then he's saying, like, I'm a martyr. And then it's like the whole vaccination situation. And I really take a libertarian take with that. I am. If you want to get vaccinated, you want to get vaccinated. If you don't, don't. Um, that's really my take, but I just didn't like how Kyrie Irving was just using serious topics affecting real world people to excuse the fact that realistically this bum didn't want to show up to work. That's what it really was about. And it was always about, you know, Then it's calling the media people peons. Like, trust me when I say when Draymond Green criticizes, like, I, I I always use a comparison, I have no issue of you criticizing the media, when Draymond Green criticizes the media, I hear that out, I hear it out, because Draymond Green, a you know, loud, loud dude, but he's smart, like, he, he, like, when it comes to athletes, he's a smart dude, he, he has, he has good takes, and I really, um, I really respect it when it comes up. But, dude, Draymond shows up to work. He doesn't leave his teammates out to dry. You're the one who pulled KD to go to Brooklyn Nets. And, you, and you're not even playing. You know? At first you say the impact. Like, you would have thought this dude was out there. A part of the vanguard of the revolution. Of the Like, the revolutionary protest of the BLF. You would have thought he was in Portland leading the charge against... The secret police arresting people in Portland. In the resistance, like you would have thought that the way Kyrie Irving was talking, but the, you know that wasn't the case. Kyrie was just sitting there, you know, going to clubs, you know, on Zoom calls. I, 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 I couldn't understand it. The Sage thing in the Celtics, it, 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 it just. It was so funny because I really loved it. I remember like when I would work on playing basketball, I would always watch Kyrie Irving like with the handles, but like it's the least self-aware superstar I've ever seen. I've never seen somebody lack of self-awareness. I know I have an ego. I really try to manage it as well as I can, but I just looked at Kyrie Irving and it is just like, wow. No one has ever told you in your entire life that you really just don't know as much as you think. Like, he is the classic example of a pseudo-intellectual. Who thinks they know what they're talking about. But really is... thinks he knows what he's talking about all the time. And realistically never wants to admit that I have no idea. What's going on. And it's just like... Like, I, I just, you know... Like, it, it's just incredible. And it's co-opting the black movements as a black person. When he's just saying these things, and you know, and it's just like, and you're just like, okay, go into depth, Kyrie, and he can never do it. You know, this is how you could spot a fraud immediately. You'd be like the media and like, like you'll hear people say the media or the system. And like, I, there's people who are saying that and they're serious. You know, they, you know, true and, you know, true black intellectuals that are serious about what they're talking about and they will go into depth and they'll explain their points and you could learn a lot because there is a lot to learn about. But he took these buzzwords and says them, but he doesn't mean them in the way that these people meant them. Realistically, he's just co-opting them as as a convenient excuse for why he's just a bum. And this is why I'm happy that Katie, um, particularly Katie, because I know Kyrie can't go back to the finals without a, without a superstar. He can go with Ben Simmons if you want. Hey, Ben Simmons, if you have mental health issues, it's good. Listen, if you have mental health issues, you have mental health issues. I have my own suspicions that you are just scared of the court. Um, And you, you're a, uh, I, I, I think that he is like Kyrie trying to collect a free check, you know, but. Um, I'm gonna give him a little bit of more time because I don't, I don't have full proof of that. So that, that is a little bit unfair to him, you know, but it's just, it's just, it's just really, it's just really telling like, it's just, don't be Kyrie Irving in your life. Let it be, um, You know, if if you want to talk about like knowing stuff all the time, like if you wanna have a if you wanna talk about every topic all the time, take the time seriously to try to like learn about it, read into it. Cause you know, cause people are gonna not always believe that you know what you're talking about all the time. But if you really are taking the time, you know, talk your talk your junk. You know, talk it. You know, if you're taking the time to learn the stuff and therefore if you wanna really have an opinion on everything, take the time to learn all the 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 stuff the stuff because like this is the issue what i have with kyrie because he never goes into depth on anything realistically just finds buzzwords says that stuff and then like they're just fans bro his fans are the most annoying people possible because then they'll defend everything because they hear the buzzwords and they don't even look into it either so you know they're just simply hearing the buzzwords they get caught up in the message and they can't see through the fact he's not Serious. And and it's it's so painful. Because it's such serious topics, and he makes the whole world view those serious topics less seriously because he's using it for the dumbest reasons humanly possible. You know? And yeah, he's labor, and I I technically should be pro him. And he like honestly, I hate the fact that I'm so animatedly I'm so animated when it comes to him, because you know, I'm usually very pro-labor. In, in all situations, but I just wanna see this bum show up to work. I didn't even say it the way I wanted to say it. I'm just making sure that I don't get in the way of this freaking thing. I just I'm just Okay. But yeah, listen. Don't don't be a Kyrie Irving in your own life. Don't not a man's talented, one of the most talented point guards of all time, but just don't be that in your life. But I realize now I kind of went off on this guy. This topic on like 23 minutes. And I just have a whole lot of other stuff I need to talk about. So, yeah. Uh, soon. But, yeah. That is uh, that's how I feel about it. And it's, uh, it's, it's pretty great to see uh this this nuclear bomb that is the Brooklyn Nets finally go off. But now that we're... Uh more casual conversations, um, just got into more recent political news as of recently. Um, I guess like looking back at the, um, the, the reactions to Roe v. Wade since, you know, Monday, um, you know, something I thought I, I found interesting is ALC's, um, petitioning of just outright ignoring the courts, you know, Um, it's, it's, it a very interesting take to have. I mean, if, is it something that we should do? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be against it. You know, I think that until the courts are something that are more democratically controlled, um, at the ignorance of it because like realistically the justification for the courts and their rulings that anyone's going to make is still based around the fact that they think that elites is the elite intelligentsia knows better than the common man you know and so like i just you know i i just disagree you know i i just disagree I think that, like, you can petition ideas to the public, but ultimately, the majority should be the final say on what is the laws that will govern above them, you know? And many people will argue that, damn, well, like, you know, what if you live in a racist world and um, and it's majority opinion for, like, you know, racism or, you know... Bigotry towards a select group. And, you know, the best thing I can hope, the best, the, my argument would be that the reason why I feel like people have bigoted opinions is because of a lack of knowledge. So, in a world where you may have a population that holds these views, I think is if you educate them on the views, which, you know, means that you'd have to have free education and the people's ability to attend and free education and the ability to have the free time to attend the educational institutions, which is big. Um, People could take the time to learn that, you know, you know, (laughs) you know, black people aren't all criminals, which I think is more commonplace knowledge in America Uh, than people want to give credit, Um, you know, but, you know, gay people aren't aren't trying to make your kids gay. Like, that's not how that works. And, you know, trans people aren't just like it isn't a choice for them. And so like, and I think that's always from a knowledge gap because they just don't know enough about the people. So, um, I think that, uh, if you have issues or worries that the population or is bigoted, then, you know, make education free, give people the free time to learn. And you will find that the education, uh, the, through the education and the time to learn that these people's, um, um, worldviews will change more to more liberal of uh, views and they will, uh, cease to hold these bigoted views. And it, it could happen very quickly. Like, you know, it, it, it could happen very quickly. You know, it could take like 10 years to do that. But if we just continue to allow rule from on high and, you know, like <laughs> just believe because it, it's not any better, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the thing people don't realize. Like ruling from on high is like oh well let's just let the elites dictate what is law of the land you know what ends up happening is that like you know the population hasn't learned anything you know because like it's a it's a contradiction the population hasn't learned that these people and these beliefs that they have are actually untrue and these people are you know normal they're just humans you know but if you're getting the command from on high then it feels like you're oppressing these ideas onto the people instead of them organically learning it on their own. And so I say all this to say until the courts are under more democratic control and we have access, then, then, then we should just ignore them, you know, and in the name of protecting, like, sure. Like, yeah, that technically means I'm imposing that, but like, I also do believe that we should give people not only the time the, fr- the freedom, the, it should be free too, but the time to learn these things, which I, I don't think many of these people are actually willing to go to that, ex- you know, what would be considered an extreme, but I think is just normal, you know? No, but let's say, let's say like, you know, we do the ALC conversation where we simply just choose to ignore uh, the courts. Let's let's ignore the courts. Let's just say, fuck these guys. You know, these guys don't know what the hell they're talking about. Like, it's been happening. It's done before. I believe if i remembering what AOC said, you know, I, Abraham Lincoln did it on a tyrannical court, basically uh, would not rule in the favor of seeing that black people be humans. And, you know, he just, you know, he's just like, nah, fuck that. I'm about to just make the Emancipation Proclamation and, we'll, you know, screw this court. And, you know, you got FDR, And I think he was like, I think it was about like labor rights and, you know, FDR just, you know, I think they were ruling against his new deal or something like that. And he's just like, no, I'm just passing it anyway, you know, and and if you don't like it, I'm just going to pack the courts. And it is what it is, you know. I think in times, I think that like we like the courts is in a, I don't know, maybe I think. I forget if I did or did not. But it's an elite institution. Elites get into the courts. It's undemocratic. You know what I mean? Like, it is... It will always hold the opinions of capital. And since we know that to be the... in, 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 in it's reactionary, actually, you know? Like, it, it won't... We can't expect the courts until it's under the command of the people, truly, directly f- from the people... To do anything but the, what they're doing right now. I've also, like, as of today, they um they also ruled against the EPA's ability to, you know, do any do <laughs> do anything about really climate change. You know, like, and these are stuff that affects the people directly. You know, I know when it comes to climate change, there is many different opinions, but what I've seen, at least for certain, is that uh, particularly on the right, it is we have moved from a position of just the outright ignorance of it to the position of like. I, at least when it comes to the common man. um, I've seen very strong right wingers being like, oh, you know what? Yeah, like, yeah, climate change is a thing, but no, there is disagreement on what needs to be done to do that. You know, I've heard more right wingers talk about like, you know, switching to nuclear, which could be a conversation, in a pocket episode on its own. Um, But it no one is, no one's really debating climate change anymore, you know? And so the fact that, they're ruling against that there's only one institution that would want such a ruling and that is you know the capital owners of of you know the you know these these gas coal you know these un technically unclean energy sources you know that is the only people who could want a ruling like this and and that is the other mandate of the court or at least the the reason why these judges are in is it's the uphold the it's to uphold the power of capital Onto the people, and to make it legitimate law of the land, you know. And so, that that's that's the issue you're running with. Until the courts are fully under the power of the people, we will see that you you will see majority opinion move in the country towards more left leaning ideas. And yet, we will still be in a hellscape where we are still getting dictated very reactionary worldviews onto us. You know, and that, that's that's just what's gonna happen. It's sad, but that that's just what's gonna happen. And um that's why it's important that we um advocate for more democracy. You know like, even if you're, like, and I know some heavily leans into, I think, a more, like, anarchist worldview, but I have no issue with it. I think that, like, anyone who is, like, a left-leaning, like, socialist, you should be for the idea of, you know, challenging hierarchy, particularly capitalist hierarchy, you know, um, as much as humanly possible. You know, like, I, I feel like there's nothing to be, there's nothing to lose there, you know like, you know, more democracy, more political control for the people isn't that good. You know, it's not complete. It's not the only thing you need to be able to do. But if the people can, you know, directly vote people in and out, you know, and we could take like, you know, if you could, if you could take the ring, the reins of democracy away from and give it to the, um, and give it to the people, like, you know, you could you could see very much a, you know, Londonist like party uh, up here, you know, uh, and, and of course, you know, you, you can never use the tools in the master to destroy his house. Like, I, I, I know, I know. But this these are steps that can be made. We must be like we must attack from many different angles, you know, and we must attack from many different angles. And I feel like this is one angle, you know, more direct action, you know, even like, like the, you know, each step of like, you know, you go, you know, you have reform you must attack from like reform, you know, revo, revolutionary action and like at the same time. And there's, there's nothing, whatever works, like throw whatever is at the wall and see what sticks, you know, and, you know, never just say like, you make the effort to use both strategies and see what's working, you know? Because material conditions are different depending on each situation. Sure, Bolshevik revolution worked in Russia, you know, and, you know, similarly in China. But that doesn't mean you can't have a, you know, a Chilean Allende situation roll in. You know what I mean? I know he, you know, died before he could really, really get going. But, like, you know, there's a chance, you know, something like it's it, it is what it is, you know. And I feel like even the Bolshevik revolution in Russia is not a good comparison to like the Chinese cause they legit fought like a war. Whereas like the most revolution, they just seized power, not pretty much nonviolently, you know? And so like the, things are going to be different depending on where you're at. And so you can't restrict yourself from different strategies. You just, you know, you have to keep, you have to be flexible, you know? And that's, that's, that's the way I like view this situation. Um, so, yeah, like, until, like, the courts are more democratically controlled, like, yeah, all right, fuck it, annoy these guys, like, <laughs> like, what else could be done, you know, it's already majoritarian opinion to at least have it to 15 weeks, like, sure, it should, I, I, I hold the, the uh, opinion that women should just have absolute control, but, um, I don't think 15 weeks is all that bad either, you know, so, and since the maximalist, the position from the far right is just no control at all. Like 15 weeks ain't all that bad. I know it's like a give, but like, yeah, you know, we should ignore it. No, we should. Um, yeah, we should ignore it and just do. It's like, a you know, do what you like. Screw screw these guys. You know, it's not like I mean, these are, you know, activist judges, you know that are hell-bent on reactionary, you know, creating a more reactionary America, you know. And so we must do everything we can. But another question we must ask ourselves is, like, do we actually, you know, AOC is advocating for this and trying to push Biden. I'm not telling her not to make the effort. But the question is, is how likely is Joe Biden to actually um, do (laughs) these things? You know what I mean? Like, well, what do, you, what do you think? You know? And, you know, I, I funny thing is I, I posted up a tweet and basically what the tweet was is like the likelihood Biden is going to outright ignore these judges is about as likely as he is going to nationalize all industry and give it back to the people. And, you know, I got some likes on it and it, it really is true. Like, it's, there is very low likelihood that this man does that. So, like, Though you can't advocate for it, like, I, I think you should propagate, like, I do think that, like, there's something to be said that you prevented an idea, like, you know, pushed it out to the public and just was like, all right, neoliberals, what are you going to do? And they chose not to do it. Then you can, you know, you can run on that. You know what I mean? You would be like, we gave them a path forward. They chose not to go that path forward. Democratic Party is unbothered by the fact that, you know, women's rights have been rolled back. You know, that there's something to be said about a strategy like that, but, um, it is going to suck though. Like, because ultimately, particularly with the demographic that is mainly affected, this, that is going to be mainly out here. Like all women are going to be out there, but like, I'm thinking about particularly wine, white, wine, mom, white women. Right introducing the idea of the fact that democratic party is not for you and this is not the way to go forward is going to be hard. Um, you know, these, this is not a demographic known (laughs) to get down and dirty, you know? (laughs) And so I really, um, I really don't know. You should still do it, but like, I don't know how effective it really is going to be. But, yeah, might as well just highlight all the contradictions, you know? The Democratic Party says they care about uh, women's rights. Let's see how much they care. I think ALC brought up a great, excellent strategy. Ignore, but I don't know. It doesn't seem like Joe Biden is ever going to actually really do that. But ignoring the courts is just fine. Until they are under the command of the people, the courts are just a, uh, an elite institution uh, elite reactionary institution, and um, that's all. That's the only way you gotta view it. You know, pretending like it's anything else is a pipe dream. There's no just. This is the one thing about the the illusion of the Supreme Court of believing that this is an institution that is above all the mess of democracy. Like, why do you need to be above the mess of democracy? Democracy is messy. I'm not gonna lie, it's a lot of arguing. It's a lot of conflict, but. In that mess, there is beauty, you know, I'm not denying the fact that democracy is messy. There's a lot of energy you got to commit to it. People aren't going to agree. People are going to get upset, but it is beautiful in the sense that we have the ability at the end of it to have what the people, the majority of people want be land of law, uh, law of the land, which is empowering to the people that even lost because they know if I can win the opinions of the majority, we can, you know, command the rules above us rather than being commanded on high by a few individuals that you have no influence over, which is what people are starting to realize right now in Supreme Court. They have no influence over them. Not really, you know? Because, then, you know, you're protesting outside their house. What they do, they throw more security out in the house. You protest in front of the places where they work. They go, they'll, they'll move the boy, they'll move the, you know, the state, the police, um, out front, heavily equipped, you know, like, you know, snipers on the buildings to make sure that you cannot influence them. You cannot hurt them whatsoever, you know, and I'm not, it, it's, it's, it's a cold reality, but it's the truth, you know, this is what they will do, you know, and so. Until we make some changes to how our democracy operates, that there isn't a single person that can hold public office without some level of people's control over. And it's not enough to put a representative and that representative picks for you. You know, if 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 that's the way you're going to have the system, that you should be able to pull that representative. If it's not the case, no, it should always there should always like, sure, let's put the, let's it's it the final say should always be to the people. That's it. You know, like if they pick somebody, like if we have a representative that picks somebody to put somewhere, put them up, ultimately, the people should have the power to organize and be able to pull that person that they select. Ultimately, the final say should be in the people. So if the people have some doubts in the representative selection, you know, it shouldn't just be the fact that the the, the people we selected have the final say, but we actually have the final say, you know, and. That, that's how it should be, you know, and that will keep the state in check fundamentally, because right now, you know, the Supreme Court is not going to it's not getting checked. check. And uh, I hate to break it to people. Uh, if Joe Biden is not not going to ignore the courts, don't believe he's about to impeach any of those people. no not matter how tyrannical, how ridiculous these individual judges. And I'm thinking of a Judge Thomas right now. Um. Are being, you know, that's it's it's very unlikely they're going to do anything to this man because we must we must have decorum even if democracy is being undermined. I don't know why these old men are hell bent on having this be the case, but that is that is the case. And since we know it is the case, I think that um instead we should be active act. We should be we should be basically trying to say that we should be able to, the people should be able to directly elect Supreme court judges. That's what it is. But if we, you know, we had a, you know, um, a person who's willing to wield power, we, we would just, just, I mean, if you are talking about just a quick short term, short term thing, if Biden was willing to wield power, we could just, just pack the courts right now. Like that, let's just be honest. Like we could, like just the simple threat of it would have them like, on, like freaking out. But you know, I just don't believe that's gonna be something he does, and so yeah, that's that's the current situation. Just wanted to recap that because there was just um there was just newer information out about the situation, and I just wanted to uh, like keep people more updated on um things that are going on and how I feel about it. But yeah, um. With that being said, I had a whole little hilarious conversation because um I am in the National Guard and I'm in a group chat with um the boys and they're not really as left leaning as I oh well, let's be honest, they they really have right right views. They're they're very reactionary in their views, but these are the guys I've spent like the last seven years with, seven years with, seven years in the army with. So um like these are my guys. Like you know, I try to like move them left as much as I can, but there's only so much you can do when they're getting fed the most reactionary stuff all the time. But um something uh was very interesting. So like it, it actually is once again to, we're, we're actually talking about ELC cuz um she was um on I believe the Colbert show, whatever his uh, talk show thing is. And um she said something interesting about the Supreme court and my boy had an interesting response to it because, um, and it was something along the lines, it was like, um, we need to vote and give Democrats power and we'll use it to the fullest extent possible to defend everyone's human economic and civil rights. Now, when I hear that, I'm just like, okay, boom, that sounds good. You know, do you, do I think we can do that through the Democrats? No, but I like the idea of defending people's human economic and civil rights. And, um, and so like, you know, and she's talking about getting rid of the filibuster, which I am all for, because I think that the filibuster protects politicians, particular politicians that need to be elected. Um, because I consider the courts politicians as much as they want to pretend they aren't, um, from doing anything really, you know, standing on any issue, really, because like, if these politicians were forced to vote against certain topics, it'd be very hard to get them reelected. <laughs> Let me just say that. And, um, She was talking about packing the courts and getting rid of the filibuster and, you know, the order to codify things that the Democrats want. And then he says something crazy, which is like codifying means we pay for it. And I'm like, What? codifying doesn't mean paying for anything. And I'm just, I'm looking at what he says. Um, I was like, codifying doesn't mean pay for it. And then he says something that really, like, blew my mind. And he was just like, and I mean, it sounds like some Hitler shit before he killed six million Jews. And I was in such shock. Because um, I was like, wait, 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 wait. When you heard her securing the economic, human, and civil rights of people. Did you equate that to Hitler? And so, like, it, it was it was such a crazy statement to me, too. Like, I was I was in shock when I heard that because I I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. Like, this is the least likely thing I would hear him say. Because, mind you, I've been pushing left wing economic ideas on these guys this entire time. You know, you should get organized. Fuck your boss um all these things and i I, you know i believed over you know at least like when i became more left-wing economically aware which is like more like four oh shit like four or five years ago um it's crazy um to give you an idea i'm like 27 so that means like when i was 22 um um i was just a little bit in shock because i was just like I was like, you can't throw the economic at least. You know, I, I don't anticipate these guys to have base social views. I, I think that, like, I move them left wing economically. And then I can slowly move the rest of their belief slowly but surely. But I was like, I was in shock. And then, like, so, like, I was talking to my brother and he was just like, yeah, I think he I think he's throwing that in there. And I was just I was just like, wow, he really Just. Doesn't believe he believes that anything that could literally help him, um, is Hitler, and it is. It, it, it was astonishing to me. I was just like, I was just like, how could he get to that? And I was trying to figure it out. And I was talking to my brother, and he was just like, I, you know, I've heard some crazy stuff, but I've heard that crazy stuff. Bef- I've heard some crazy stuff before, but um, I've never heard something that crazy. And the, you know this guy's in a le- unique position. I don't really want to say his business over this, um, but I was just thinking about it. and I was just like, "Whoa, that that's 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 reactionary. Like that is a reactionary tank." I was just thinking. I was like, and I remember the Nazis always called themselves National Socialists. And so, like, because you know, the right, have, the right will say anything to socialists. Like, if it wasn't for the fact, Social Security is something the right really. P- poor people, like poor old people need, let me stop saying poor old people, literally every American needs to literally retire, it's a pillar of retirement if it wasn't for the fact that it was a pillar of retirement, they would call social security socialism too when they try to get rid of it, but because people see the benefits of when the state gives them money, right Um, they are at least they are just, they never ask any questions, it's, it's very hilarious because like they legitimately believe that like at least I am under the I think that I, I can't see the raw hard numbers, but I'm under the suspicion that I don't believe that the like the working class really fully funds Social Security. You know, like I just think that this this came into place um, and because of how popular it is, the government just keeps financing it now i I probably should do better research into that but i wouldn't be surprised um i just i wouldn't be surprised (laughs) if we we actually weren't financing it It it's just sticking around because of popularity but the right doesn't call social security socialism but anything else anytime the state helps them they're calling it socialism because and, and it's so funny because they it's just like is it it is it all is it all just a simple lack of understanding? Like are they not aware that defending your economic rights means, you know, your right to negotiate with your boss, you know, the right for you to have the ability to have healthcare. That's a part of economic rights, you know, to have healthcare, to have a free education. These are all economic rights because it's like, you know, because if you don't have free healthcare that you're paying that out of pocket because healthcare is something you're going to need regardless, you know? And so I started thinking about it. And then I was like, I think, you know, I really just don't understand the weights of like the damage that red scare really caused onto the American population. You know, like it really was a damaging thing. You know, I started reading into the first and second, Red Scare, just to get like an, an idea of what's going on. You know, like the first Red Scare or all those are curious, like, um, because I, when people, people, um, make the mistake, it was like, usually when they're talking about Red Scare, they think of the McCarthy era and the realistic, that's the second, you know, the first was in like 1917, like, and this was primarily because of like, you know, related to the, you know, the Bolshevik revolution, um and like you know uh communist and anarchist movements going on in america at the time because it was going through uh, its own little labor um awakening really you know when people were just coming to the realization that you know through industrial capitalism at that time that uh my my boss doesn't have my best interest that i really shouldn't be slaving <laughs> for 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 these guys like i'm making all, like people in america came to the realization that like. The came class conscience that I am creating all the value that my boss gets to enjoy and you know what I should get to enjoy that too. You know, like I always hate how like class consciousness is. Like I feel like some people think class consciousness on like the left is, you know, you read marks like news flash. Not everyone's going to read Marx newsflash. There's a lot of defenders of capitalism in America that have never read Adam Smith. Cause the thing, you know, they kind of did read Adam Smith. They'd understand that the visible hand is referenced one time. And it was more of a critique of globalization, but I'm not going to get into that. But like, it, it's just like, you don't need a population to read Marx, to become class conscious, a class conscious uh, population is a population that realizes that I create all the value that my nation and my boss gets to enjoy, and I deserve that surplus as well. That is it. That's all they need to understand. And by simply that that understanding, you can you know get a revolutionary movement. And that you know in the first in the first Red Scare, that that's what was going on. You know, you know. And it's just like with you know groups like the I W W, you know, and the labor strikes at that time, you know, the people fought for their rights to have, uh, you know, a you know, forty hour, <laughs> uh, a forty hour work week, you know, you know, at least eight hours of sleep. Like it's it's crazy, you know, as as we see workers' rights get whittled back later on, how like. People forget that. You know, I talk to people every day and it's so crazy how comfortable they are the, that their boss lets them work for 10, 12 hours a day. You know, doesn't even that doesn't even calculate travel to work. So, you know, they're realistically out for 14 hours a day. You know, they have no time for anything. You know, you got Amazon employees like, oh, I get free education. I was like, OK, can you afford like not afford, but like, do, do you have time to like? Yeah, okay, cool. They'll pay for your education, but do they ever give you time to use that payment? Because then that's a safe investment. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll pay for your education, but we'll never give you time to use it. And, you know, and you need sleep, you know, and you need to communicate with your family. You know, you could destroy so many fa- Listen, the reason why most divorces are financially or related to finances, I think people think it's a lack of pain, but it could be also related to the fact that like, you know, they're just, people are just not around because they're, they're working, you know, that's another, that's a wrinkle that people never even calculate for. And so like to be class conscious has come to a realization that if I don't get, if I don't get the reins over this, this, this one part of my life, it can destroy all other parts. My ability to rest, my ability to relate to other people socially, you know, my ability to educate myself, it could completely destroy. And that's what under capitalism, that that's, that's what can happen very easily. And people don't take, and I feel like particularly the American population and its lack of class consciousness never takes very seriously how much these things can really impact their everyday lives. And, And it's problematic, but it is not of their own fault. A lot of the myths they were told were told through the first and red, first and second red scare, and um, and it just stuck around. You know, uh, it's it, it sad. You know, um, you know the persecution of the people when it comes to red scare because you know the state made many gains in the first red scare towards you know snuffing out all, uh. All anti-war, anti-government groups, um, whether it be through like the Espionage Act, so many, so many things, and it 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 completely, you know, just the the right to deport the deport because they, there was um you know you had uh immigrant immigrants coming to America, you know, g- particularly German immigrants at this time, and um they would come and they would bring you know, these left wing ideas about how, you know, basically, you know, you deserve, basically you deserve labor rights, (laughs) you know, like it's crazy. You know, you you deserve the benefits of your labor. And, you know, like you got Woodrow Wilson basically being like, you know what? Run. Let's spin the block on these boys. (laughs) And, you know, you're kicking out some of these guys. You're throwing people in jail. You know, when people are. People are just simply forced, you know, the, the state basically beats down these labor, these labor movements, you know, and it, it, it's it's sad. It, it It is it is truly sad. And, you know, you got the McCarthy area, where it's mo- this is more of a prosecution of all like pl- like people in the state or, you know, people in the state advocating for very who maybe not advocating for probably were advocating for no left-wing ideas over lefties themselves. And, you know, saying that they were communists and they were working for the Soviet union, a prior ally, mind you, they had just literally beaten the Nazis. It's crazy how quickly capitalist nations can just change up on you really quickly, you know, but like basically saying, Oh no, you're all spies for the Soviet union. And uh, we're hundred percent against the Soviet union. Mind you, they were just an ally just a second ago. But since, you know, the Nazis are gone back to beefing with the Soviets. Um, and so, um, you know, the persecution of very public figures, you know, this instills a message of like fear and fear around left-wing ideas, and you know, you know, I, I've met people who've who've who were born around this time that would have been kids around this time, and and this fear was probably instilled with them when they were like between the ages of one and five, you know. And it just perpetuated on for decades, and they they keep they keep teaching this. We this is the price of the Cold War, you know. People's lack of um God's consciousness is the price of the Cold War, fundamentally, you know. I don't. I have some. I have my own little gripes with the Soviet Union, particularly with their like. Yeah, it's it has more related, more related to do with like their very anti-religious beliefs and like you know stomping out. There's, there's a couple of issues, but like one thing I'm not going to pretend is that it wasn't a generally net good for the world for the Soviet Union to still exist, you know, because it pushed the whole world left. There was things that existed solely because the Soviet Union, the boogeyman of Soviet communism was around. And, you know, it, it allowed things like the American dream the way we understand it to exist, you know, if it wasn't for a competition with the soviet union schools would not be as free as it was in america and with the fall of the soviet union you you could see how neoliberalism iron rand you know laissez i economics runs rampant in our world now and this is why you know as much as i don't like the amount of freedom there is in china i recognize how important it is for china to exist as a you know, a rising superpower in the world. Because as long as they stand as a pillar, rocking the hammer and sickle, the West will be forced to have to prove their own legitimacy. And that is why, that is why it is so important for there to be a multipolar world. It's so important. If we are to see the world get better, we cannot exist in a unipolar world. It must be multipolar. You know, we we, there is there is a reason why we have not seen revolutions happen as much in the last 40 years since the fall of the Soviet Union, 30 years, 30 years, I'm sorry, since the fall of the Soviet Union. And the reason being is that once the world became unipolar, that shit stops. No, something that needs to be said is that like revolutions need the help of outside actors it it does what is lenin without the exist the the help of the germans to get back to russia you know i'm sure the, the you know the russian working class they were doing that thing but lenin showing back up to help lead the revolution helped that revolution a lot and it, it needs to be said you know the only way that could happen Is in a, you know, a multipolar world. And like the only, the only way you can get that is in a multipolar world. And so, yeah, like that, that, that's why it's so important to have that. And that's why we have not seen as many revolutions. This is why, like, um, you know, having a China allows, you know, a Bolivia to to exist and stand, allows a Venezuela. You know, Cuba has been able to stand on its own for so long. And Jesus Christ, the Cuban people. I don't know how they've lasted this long, but like without you know, but like the Cuban people have basically been ostracized and you know, like they 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 have sat with an embargo on them in a in a unipolar world, there was a 30 year embargo just sitting there and they had to sustain themselves through it, you know? And now that we're you know reaching back to a more bipolar and possibly multipolar world, um coming into the future because like um Going in the future because the second like there is a, a second power and that second power is helping the third world that means be- the world becomes multipolar and then also you got to take in the chance that like you know there'll be people who will decide to be neutral uh against the two beefing superpowers which which will create like either a third or a fourth pole if you don't consider the third world to be its own pole you know but through that you get to see uh get to see the chances for successful revolutions. You know, so we're probably going to enter a time of revolution again, but to get back to it, through the existence of the Soviet Union, it was able to perpetuate by its simply existing. It would help American population to at least have some level of left wing ideas, but also through its existence, the propaganda against left wing ideas strengthened in, you know, the super the strongest superpower of the time, which is the United States, which is why you know, the American people are like the least class conscious people possible. You know, when you are struggling to like, think about it like this, when you are struggling to convince your coworkers that their work is valuable and they should have a say over how that work is being used and you know how their conditions are when they are the ones who bring all the profit to the owner. Like you are looking at red scare, you know, propaganda that has affected your coworkers, and it's sad. The the they, in America, they, uniquely in America, they are the least class conscious. Europe, at least they they have some level of class consciousness. Now, granted, it's slowly getting whittled away, mind you, because you know with with a pillar like the Soviet Union not there, and like China. With as of right now having a non-interference stance, you know, the world leans heavier, more heavy into, you know, more laissez-faire neoliberal ideas. And, you know, it's like how going forward do we do we do we manage, you know, while like because like the, the, the Europe is Europe is slowly whittling away its welfare state you know if you just pay if you just look 20 years ago and then look 10 years ago and then you look now you see a whittling away of the guarantees even in the so-called highly praised nordic nations you see a whittling away of all the guarantees that these nations brought that they had to bring and still use it like they had to bring because there was a fear that if we don't, the capitalists of the nations would have the property seized by the majority. And, you know, and like, and now without that very activist communist state, um, they are forced to, the people, the working classes of the world are forced to exist under a neoliberal, um, of, uh, a neoliberal, like, boot. And so... And maybe China is going to shift gears because Xi Jinping has definitely um, moved, is more left than the prior leader. And so, like, we will maybe see it be more activist. I don't know. Maybe they're waiting for them to, maybe they're waiting to usurp the United States as a economic power. Then they're going to be more activist with their actions. But I, without that, like, you know, you, you, you can't expect, you know. You can't expect revolutions in the third world. And, you know, it's it's And though, like we can still point to China as a more um an example of communism working. Right. Until they get more active, till they get more overt with their showing that, you know, command economies can work. And um, people will always kind of just be less class conscious than they're out to, at least less than Europe. And especially when, for as long as Europe is still going to be like a welfare state. Yeah. So, I mean, like you can, you could do all the work. Uh, I do really appreciate the, um, the labor because, you know, let's be honest. I mean, labor has been on the upswing in America as of right now. We have seen, you know, the Amazon labor union, uh, you know, the Starbucks labor unions, you know, I think, uh, John Deere, like we, we see a rise in labor rebellions in this turbulent time of inflation, um, it's big. We need to keep the momentum. Um, I don't anticipate this inflation to be going away at least for the next, uh, until at least the next presidency, um, uh, the next presidential election, which will be important. Uh, not because like, <laughs> I'm not going to pretend don't, don't be the guys that are saying like, it's an existential threat because Donald Trump's coming back to president. Like if Joe Biden has shown us anything, it's that we live in a one party state and whether it be, uh, you know, whether it be um, Donald Trump or Joe Biden, that the working classes will still have a hellish reality. You know, it's just one is just more overtly fascist. And the other one is just a neutral fascist. I don't even like if that's a thing, but like, really like, you know, Joe Biden's inaction and willingness to be uh, proactive in helping the working class has created a hellscape, which has created a. A tinder that is perfect for the fire of fascism in the United States to rise up uh, going into 2024 as they get their lovely leader back. I now, know sometimes actually, uh, actually, if I can be short with this, I've heard a lot of my younger right wing friends, talk about how they much they want DeSanta. I do view DeSanta as more, you know, like he 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 is fashion like. But I do think that like n- anyone who runs against the Donny, like all the people that DeSanta wants, love Donny, and if he's he's, he's going to talk junk about Donny, he's he's going to lose a lot of voters. And but like if you don't attack Donny, you just can't win. But that's my own little take on the matter. I, I I've kind of been watching this slowly. I've, I've been kind of predicting this since last year, and like it's interesting to see how things are maturing, uh, as of recently. But um, yeah, um, we need to organize. In the sense of like, you know, promoting more labor unions, promoting more cooperatives. But I do think I'm a believer in cooperatives, not in the sense that they're going to solve the capitalism issue for the workers, because cooperatives do not address uh, people who aren't working in the sense of like elderly people, uh, homeless people, unemployed people. They do not see the benefits of cooperatives and they will not see the benefits of a of uh, labor unions. These people will be ostracized from it because they are not working, you know? And so, and those people will need a robust welfare state. So, um, but I do see the benefits in them of, like, just getting the working class in the mindset, the working class that is working in the mindset that I deserve democratic control over my workplace, and I deserve, in in and, and subsequently, I deserve... Democratic control of my politics, you know, it, I find it quite hilarious that in the United States, that any election day isn't just immediately a uh, a day off. Like we live in a democracy, nothing should stand above the democracy, but we have made it so that the profits of companies stand above democracy. That's why people don't automatically get a day off. And so, I think that that's a step. I think that like going forward if you're going to see mass popular, uh, uprising, we first need to, uh, first make it as easy for people who do vote to vote, then get as many people who aren't able to vote, whether it be they are criminals, uh, you know, criminals in the sense of like, they have felonies. I'm, I'm not, trust me. I'm not one of those people that like, Oh my God, they committed a crime. Just because you're a criminal doesn't make you no longer a person who can participate in democracy. Ridiculous. They, people are anti-democratic if they view it that way. All pe- we should make, we should, at the same time, making it as easy as possible for people who, who can vote to vote, whether it be through absentee ballots, whether it be through doing it through technology, though I am not sure of the mechanics of how that is going to work. But... What I do know is that we they should a minimum var minimum, regardless if it's their city, state, city, county, state, national, they should have the day off. Nothing should stand above their ability to democ- to to be democratic, to, to, to participate in democracy. It should not there should be nothing standing in the way of that. And um with the next thing being that uh We should get as many people who are unable to vote for whatever reason to be able to vote, because as long as you're born in the United States, you should be able to participate in democracy. There is no I, I cannot find a justifiable reason. There is nothing justifiable to the fact that I, you know, I pay taxes into this nation. I live in this nation. I was born in this nation. There should be nothing that supersedes my ability to democratically affect said nation and get them as politically active as possible now of course people will say like voting isn't the answer i'm not a reformist i'm not a reformist i'm not a reformist i understand that but i just i it's about the psychology of it get them get them not saying that like oh you know you're gonna vote and it's gonna cause this massive change and voting is revolution actually it's not it's reformist it's it is the it is the smallest impact you can have. Not the smallest impact you can have. It is the least maximalist thing you can do. There's other ways to be politically active, whether it be through protest, it would be through labor organizing. Um, you know, and of course, you know, through, you know, for example, like and finally the most maximalist through violent uh, revolution, but um these are um but it's getting them on the right track, you know what I mean? Because to, to thinking you're going to take a population from, um, you know, beat down by the state, um, suffering through inflation, suffering at their job, which is authoritarian, and just taking them straight to revolution—like I think, like you're not really aware of how <laughs> how much work is needed to get people all the way there. And I think the first steps is to get as many people as electorally active as humanly possible, but not in the sense of trying, but not like trying to pitch it as this as a way of like voting is actually revolt, you know? But like it is something that you should do as long as you're in a democracy and then making it as easy as possible to do that. Um, and s- so they can advocate for their own views, but like I kind of got sidetracked. Um, but I do think that was important to say um but yeah the lack of a class consciousness in America is interesting and in, especially in a time of inflation 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 before they'd struck down Roe v Wayne it was about inflation I think this is the most important topic uh every time the gas tank the gas uh station uh, price takes up, every American gets poorer. And there's many things the Biden administration can do. They could just nationalize the gas. that As, as a quickest way there, just nationalize the gas industry. Uh, and just command you could, you know, stop sanctioning Venezuela. Um, but I've, I've heard that that's technically slower. Um, not for the subjugation of the Saudis. I think that that's imperialistic fundamentally. But I think that if you just would uh, well, it depends on how you su- subjugate the Saudis, because if you're just going to say we're going to just stop selling weapons to you, and guess what? You kind of have to make a deal with Iran now, I think. Or you can give us gas money. That's pretty nationalistic. I do think they should just make a deal with Iran just from an internationalist take, like, you know, just to appease and help the Yemen the Yemen people, because I think that through a pe- them, those two countries coming to peace may end the war in Yemen. But if I was just going to be solely nationalist and just help solely America, I don't like that. That leaves a sour taste in my mouth. Internationalism is leftism. So, like, you cannot you can't just view it in that way. But there is actions you can do. Nationalizing is one of them uh, subsidizing the gas companies to hold the price and sell it to, just, to and hold the price and sell to Americans at a certain price and the U.S. government will front the money. And you must prioritize Americans first before you prioritize international um is another path forward um but ultimately, you know we're gonna have to move off of fossil fuels, of course, but like there is options to answer this inflation, you know, uh, at least in some areas, other areas, there's really nothing you can do as long as uh, you know not in the war in Ukraine is going on. Um, You know, wheat's going to be higher Of course, we need to stop We need to create an opportunity for Zelensky To get on the table with Putin Can't pretend like I know what's going through the mind of Putin But I do think that like being in a war For like 4, 5, 10 years Is an ideal for a man that I've heard rumors That may be having cancer And may not even see the end of this conflict You know, it, that wouldn't be ideal um, we should be giving the Ukrainians a way to get out of this conflict as quickly as possible and not pretending like they can really resist the, uh, the efforts of another superpower's willingness to try to take your land. I'm not trying to encourage the taking of land. I I, I don't want to say moral hazard because I hate how that word has been used, but like I don't want to create the moral hazard where like a superpower can just decide to take land and like, um you know, the most the world is going to do is say like, oh, like you know, just surrender because then that could create some very du- <laughs> very dystopian realities where people will just indefinitely say they invade and then know they at least get something for making that decision. but um no, I-, I think that in our current situation it's um it's ideal that we uh, we we do end the war in Ukraine as quickly as possible so that wheat prices can go down and therefore food prices go down. A lot of the inflation is uh, correlated to um, the supply side, which makes the Federal Reserve the enemy of the people. <laughs> I've uh, I've been trying to get to this. I, it's like freaking an hour and twenty. This thing is so stretching. Maybe I should hold this off to the next one. But yeah, maybe I should. This this is running. Um, but I'm gonna hit you with my short. We'll be, we'll be talking about the Federal Reserve. We'll be talking about the Federal Reserve because um, it is in my opinion, and I guess this is what we'll be talking about next episode, 100%, because I, this is like my last thing I wanted to talk about. The Federal Reserve has basically waged war on the working class of America. Um, In their raising of rates, they have said the goal is to to slow down demand. Now, in, in the world of elite society, they will use fancy words and non and sounding like non-aggressive words to do some of the most dystopian things you'll ever see. When a Federal Reserve chair ever says he wants to slow down demand, he's basically saying, I want you less able to buy things. You being the working class. That is what he is saying. And the only way he can do that is by making it harder for you to buy things through the raisings of interest rates, which raises uh, your home, you know, which raises the ability for you to get money to get credit, you know, and since we live in a world that runs on credit and the working class lives off credit by him raising the rates. He has effectively said, I am, I, I'm making you be able to buy less. Remember, um, not only the working class, but the business class uses credit to subs to, to be able to buy and subsidize their purchases to sell goods to you. If they're less able to get credit, that means they must raise the prices on you to be able to get those goods. It is a war on you every time they raise rates do I think capitalist nations should print money indefinitely? No, I think they should recognize that infinite growth is a scam and move away from it. But because I still exist in the capitalist nation, I know that they need. Um, I, I understand the effects of low rates. I understand what it means towards your ability to buy a home. I know what it means to your ability to buy a car. But I also do say, and my answer to these questions is simply make a robust public transit system, um, and make homes guaranteed so that you're not, your, your ability to access these things is not correlated to your ability to access credit. I understand these things. Um, but it seems, but as long as these things are still stuff you need to purchase, the lowering of rates though it may be ideal for you for to, towards when it comes to commodities, it is un, is not ideal when it comes to the owning of assets. And so it's a problematic relationship. It's very complex. I'm not going to pretend like it's simple. But unless a state is willing to guarantee assets towards the people in the sense of like, not guarantee assets in the sense that you're going to um be able to make money off these, but in the sense of like, I guarantee that you will have a home when I, you know, I, you know, I fundamentally guarantee that you're going to have a car though. I think that people should move away from cars. And I think that peop- having a more robust public transit system is better because by, and that will fun. Don't get me started on this. But like, I think that if we have a robust public transit system, people will be less price sensitive to gas. And that will be something that the state must handle, which gives and if the state has to worry about the price of gas oil, there's just more flexibility there to deal with it. But, um, from that, because they, there's this, there's, there's more negotiating room, but as long as everyone's, you know, out here operating with a car, things, things will ever be problematic. But that is a whole conversation in of itself. I'm not going to get fully into it. I think I've, I've really ran my time, uh, I, the next pod the third episode will 100% be on inflation and the Federal Reserve. Uh just a rerun. Um America is a, a very low class conscious nation. Um it's not really um that's just a recap. Uh it's America is a, not as class conscious of a nation due to the red scare. The red scares um of the first and second Of the people you could say the first was of the people and the second as was of of people of influence created an environment that we have a generation that is dying off now that was trained into and trained the children into a fear of being aware of the value of your labor in the fears of what that may mean what that may mean of the people of a people who is aware that i create value for this nation And have a right to that value. That idea fundamentally terrifies elites. They want you to believe that you don't create anything. You know? That Musk really got down and built the first Tesla car. Rather than just, you know, buying it from the dudes who really worked on it. They want you to believe that you mean nothing. And whatever crumbs that we give you, you should just be grateful. And I say fuck that. No, all things great about America were made by Americans. All wars won by the United States, though imperialistic, were won because of the work of the working classes of America. And so that being said, you should have a right to the benefits of your labor. And if you really... And if you really are daring, you have a right to control the, the 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 means of control of your nation, you know, from the political to the economic. Cuz if I stop doing stuff, if we all the working class stops doing anything and everything, this whole thing shuts down. And that is a scary reality that no politician and no capitalist Really wants to admit. And so with that being said, um, thank you guys for listening. Underwater sweatshop. I'm gonna explain where that name came from. did I already? I'd be forgotten Um well yeah. Uh I'll catch you guys later. on the I guess the last episode of the week will come out Saturday. Uh stay safe, enjoy your day, and pray on the downfall of Katie and Kyrie Irving. All right, guys. Take it easy. Goodbye, guys.